You're listening to English with Monty, the podcast about the English language. Today is 8-Minute English, talking about how to use modifiers, part 1. Hello there and welcome to 8-Minute English with Monty. I've got Jules on the show, who's a newbie. Hi Jules, how are you doing? Hi everyone, so good to be here. Welcome to the show. We're just going to do an eight-minute episode today. We were going to do it on modifiers, weren't we? You suggested that this might be a good idea. What was your thinking on modifiers? I always thought that they were like a part of English that really gives away that you're not a native speaker if you get them wrong. So that's why I thought, you know, that, that would be a nice topic to talk about. If you misplace them, then you're going to sound like someone who's not a good speaker of English very easily or like a good writer. Definitely. I suppose as a English learner, that's one of the issues, isn't it, with modifiers? And I guess we should probably briefly talk about what they are exactly. What's your understanding of a modifier? How would you define it? I would say they're words that describe other words and phrases. So they're used to describe or define other words or phrases. And they can be adjectives, they can be adverbs, but also like what we call determiners. So stuff that helps you determine what specific object you're talking about. Exactly. So it helps things, doesn't it? Adjectives, adverbs, determiners, prepositional phrases as well that can be used. And then entire clauses can help. We're using Grammarly to help us out a bit here. I like this Groucho Marx quote. It says, one morning I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got in my pajamas, I don't know. <laughs> so that's a perfect example of the modifier being in the wrong position, talking yeah. about an elephant in their pajamas. I guess this is a grammar mistake, mainly for writers, isn't it, typically? Yeah, I think it's more evident when you're writing than when you're speaking. Definitely. Is there anything in particular that you had an issue with or you would forget about at all? Or shall we just go through a few different examples and see if we can think of some others? You know, when I was studying English first in middle school, I think what I found really difficult is there was not only an order of modifiers, but also uh, an order of how adjectives should be put in place to modify a word. I think it's one of the most difficult part of learning how modifiers work. Mostly like the, the nested clause is something that you can usually get to quite easily, in my opinion, but like the orders of the single words, they don't seem very important, but then they actually are. This is true. I think that's the thing with the order of the adjectives. That's quite important, isn't it? There's a brief example here where it says purple women's shoes. I guess here, obviously, purple is talking about the women rather than the shoes. It's pretty important, that one. In terms of the adjective order in English, you would have, first of all, opinion. If you like something, for example, you would use your opinion. Then you would have the size and then the age and then the shape and then color, origin, material. And after that, you've got purpose. There's quite a few of them, and it seems quite confusing. What would you say, Jules? The more you speak, the more it comes naturally, right? Exactly. The more you speak, the more also you read, I think. The more you read stuff written by a native speaker, then you, you can also absorb how the order works. Here, you can usually, by ear, you can say if something is correct or not. If I want to describe a dog, and I say a beautiful, big, white dog, then it sounds very nice. But if I say a uh, white, big, beautiful dog, if you're used to hearing 
spoken English. The second one doesn't sound as good as the first one. No, definitely. It sounds unnatural, doesn't it? It sounds weird. Yeah, it sounds unnatural. People are going to get when they're trying to say, but it's not going to sound natural. No, no, very much so. That's the thing, isn't it? It's just thinking about that adjective order and just trying to apply it. Were you okay with all the ones I described? Because those things like material and purpose, things like opinion, that's pretty obvious, like saying it's lovely or it's beautiful. They also talk about physical quality, which I don't think I included, which you could say is thin or it's rough or it's untidy. And then the material would refer to what it's made of. So metal, wood or plastic and purpose would be what it's used for, like cooking or cleaning. Yeah, I think sometimes the material and origin part can also include nouns used as adjectives. Like Italian, you can say, you know, an Italian car to say origin. You can also say heavy iron gate. If you say iron heavy gate, it doesn't sound as good because nouns as modifiers are the material origin. Very much so. And that in particular didn't sound quite right, did it? It's also not emphasizing what you want to emphasize, I guess. Let's have a look at a couple of examples they've got here because they were talking about May napped with her cat, tired after a long day at work. So this one's incorrect. Why would it be incorrect? I think because it gives focus to something we don't want to give focus to. That's correct. I suppose it's separating the actual person that it's referring to, isn't it? In the sentence, it suggests that the cat is tired. After a long day at work, yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. In this case, obviously tired is the wrong position because it's next to the cat. I guess we would move it around and then say tired after a long day at work, May napped with her cat. So that's quite clear, isn't it? It's referring to May, I guess. The tip is to never try and separate what is being modified by the modifier. You should never put anything in between. That's right, isn't it? You put anything in between because otherwise it's a bit confusing as to what it's referring to, isn't it? That would be a misplaced modifier. And here as well, they're talking about dangling modifiers. Have you ever come across a dangling modifier? Probably. I don't know if I recognize them as dangling modifier. They're a pretty common mistake that learners make. I guess so. I'm not really sure, to be honest. I mean, as a teacher, I've never really thought about these before, but it says it describes a word or a phrase that is not included in the sentence. One example they give is happy that school was over. The afternoon was quite relaxing. Here, you've got no real association, right? There's nothing to associate with. So that's the reason why it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, there's no noun that the modifier is referring to. Nowhere in the sentence. Exactly. The noun is absent, isn't it? There's no connection. Whereas a misplaced modifier, which again, this example is incorrect. Happy that school was over. The afternoon was quite relaxing for the students. Obviously here we know who it was relaxing for. That's why it's different to the dangling one, isn't it? But it's in the incorrect position because we're not referring to the correct reference point. The correct thing should be happy that school was over. The students thought the afternoon was quite relaxing. Yeah, sometimes you have to switch things up to make them work better. With these three, it's quite clear, isn't it, why the third one works because of students being connected to the idea of school being over. So that's who we're referring to in this case. The relation is clear in in the last example. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Thanks for listening. That was part one. Stay tuned for part two. You've been listening to 8 Minute English.